You're listening to the Thank God for Nostra podcast. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Thank God for Nostra podcast. I'm John Olson, known as Hoddlebot. I'm the developer of the Coracle.Social client. Uh, this week, we've got a uh, casual vacation uh, interview uh, with Skeptroon. Uh, could you uh, introduce yourself and kind of give the audience a couple handles to go on? Yeah. My name's Nick. You can find me at Skeptroon um, on, uh, at the very least, like Twitter and Mastodon.social. It's also my tag for Nostra, but I'm not sure if there's an app that like aggregates it to an address. Um, and yeah, my my first IRL name is Nick. I work at ArguFlow. ArguFlow is a company that like we're a search API. We started out as a Nostra app, but have since pivoted. Yeah, so I think that's uh, pretty interesting. Um, you know, uh, I met Nick in at the uh, the Futo <laughs> uh, fellowship that I was doing early last year, and he went on to do the same program. So. This is just kind of a catch up on what he's been working on. And, you know, specifically, I'm kind of interested in uh, your Nostra journey. So, you know, there's there's kind of a trope uh, going around Nostra that uh, anything can be built on Nostra and everything eventually will be, that it's kind of a, a social layer for the internet. And <clears throat> so I'm kind of interested in, uh, in what attracted you to build on Nostra in the first place and then why you ended up uh, pivoting away from Noster into other things, whether there was like uh, something, some shortcoming of the protocol itself, or whether it was kind of the business that pushed it in a particular direction. So, uh, give me your, give me your like Noster story. What first caught your eye about it, uh, and why you start building on Noster? Yeah, the the first thing that caught my eye was that it was a, it was more of like an identity protocol than it was a network protocol. So like really all it was was an, was an identity um and that identity like existed independently of any server so you really had like immutability in that regard and i thought that was really interesting in contrast to you know the previous things that existed the other things that made attractive was like when we started building on it we thought the proof of work component was cool as like a method of de-spamming it seemed like a very low effort way to prevent, to prevent spam and that like caught our eye and was interesting. And those were like, and then the other thing was that it wasn't complicated. Like, and it got rid of the need for a backend. So like when we started building our original app, which I should explain a little bit, we were trying to make a arguing application. So like not really for arguing like online, like political stuff or normal things. We kind of wanted to make it work for like the workplace. So if you were working through a complex technical decision or a product related thing, um, I don't know, things of that nature, then we were trying to like make a tool for actually having that in a really productive way. And Nostra like really fit because we didn't have to have a backend. It was going to be decentralized identity where everything got signed and that was cool. So like no one could, you know, imposter you. And, and then the work component was like interesting because we kind of thought we could do interesting like ranking stuff with that um, and also like de-spamming. Uh, and yeah, that was the original idea. And, you know, it made, it was like Nostra seemed to be a good fit at the time. 
Yeah, Nostra is an interesting uh, prototyping tool in, in a lot of ways. Like even if an application isn't a good fit long-term for Nostra, it doesn't even have like a social aspect to it or something like that. You know, you can just spin up a, a relay and start throwing events back and forth. And maybe you won't end up with like the ideal architecture uh, necessarily, but at least you can get a prototype whipped out without running uh, anything more than like a commodity server. So uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. Yeah, you know, one other thing that was interesting about it is uh, part of the idea of the arguing application is that it had to be real time. And, you know, if we we're going to do it real time, we needed WebSockets anyway. So it was a really good fit for Noster architecturally because we we're going to need like all the event store related logic kind of anyways. It just made like a ton of sense. Yeah, nice. So that was the first version of Flow, and you were building that on Noster. Makes sense. It's got it's got identity. It's got social. So uh, having having those primitives available uh, would help to have those uh, discussions and arguments. Um, you know, it it could be. Uh, it's kind of interesting that you didn't end up going in that direction. Like, I, I don't. I'm always kind of skeptical about how well these kind of products are going to work. Uh, but they're obviously needed. Like online discussions are a dumpster fire and there've been, you know, projects that, that do like a decent job, like discord and stack overflow and stuff with scoring and, and, uh, and ranking and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, there's been, there's been a lot of talk about, uh, how to, how to handle the, uh, the secret cabal of, of developers who, who have merge access to the, uh, to the NIPS repo and, uh, you know, like a lot of that is just like there are people who don't argue on the GitHub or they don't have the connections on Noster. And so they just don't get heard as easily. And it's not that everything is like closed, but, uh, you know, making making a particular forum more ex more um, more accessible to, to to new people or people who don't have like the social credit. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if there are any other uh, options out there for that. And of course, moving uh, moving on to anything centralized would make the problem probably even worse. But yeah, I mean, it was interesting. Like, the, we had like really interesting ideas for like how you combat that. I think like really proof of work was like our like, the core of the idea originally. It was kind of like, okay, this guy's willing to run his computer for three hours to mine his argument, then he should be able to go to the top regardless of like how much social clout he has. And like, you know, maybe that could be gamed, but if you like, I don't think it'd be terrible to like game that because like at worst you have like one guy, maybe maybe a few people every n number of hours appearing at the top, and that's going to be expensive to do. It's like it takes up your compute, uh, and, and like you just kind of downvote it if it's really a problem. So it seemed like an an interesting like thing to go at. the The issue like ended up being that we weren't good at marketing it, and it really only caught on in China. Like, there were a number of people in China that used it. I think, like, on our peak day, we had, like, over 4,000 people that were, like, arguing. Um, I don't think for them was actually like, more important, maybe. Like, I, I had a hard time, like, translating. Whenever I would translate, I couldn't really get what was going on. Probably a lot of slang and abbreviations. But, um, yeah, like, for them, maybe it was more important. But we, like, that was too much of a disconnect for us to, like, bridge to having a company. And then, uh, you know, we ended up like pivoting uh, away from that at eventually. But, you know, I don't, I, I think someone else might be able to figure that problem out at some point. It, it does seem to be like a real problem that there's room for 
someone to solve. Like, I, and if you if it caught on, like you probably could monetize it by selling it to, you know, organizations uh, like enterprises to have better discussions. Like maybe like some consulting on that too. Yeah, definitely. It feels very similar to the Nostrocket kind of problem tracker project. Uh, you know, these problems are the problems. Uh, these are just like these are these these are things that sort of try to straighten out the the kinks in humanity. Uh, you know, conversations are complex. One time I read this this book uh, called uh, Truth and Method, I think, and it's like a thousand page book on hermeneutics. And it's got just crazy stuff in there, like, you know, laughter is the taskless task of self-representation and uh, just like crazy stuff. And, uh, you know, these are super hard problems and, you know, you can approach them either philosophically, but then, you know, you just end up uh, getting stuck arguing about your ideas in the first place without having a framework for it. Or you can approach it uh, sort of empirically and just see see sort of what works. And uh, the empirical approach seems to seems to work a little bit better although it comes from people who already have ideas uh have you ever listened to the stack overflow podcast i haven't listened to it no fiat jaff always recommends it he's like it's the best podcast you should listen to that stack overflow podcast and of course the episodes are like uh over 10 years old um and so i started listening recently and it's it's pretty good uh actually <laughs> like explaining you know the technical and the social trade-offs that they were making for stuff so uh it's pretty fun so you end up cool. uh, ditching ditching Noster uh, for ArgueFlow and moving in like a pretty much entirely different direction. Was this before or after the fellowship? It was during. So like we we kind of got this whole MVP done before. So like uh, we had it like working. It had tracked in China. And I think like we got the fellowship, which was amazing. I'm still super grateful to Futo, honestly. Yeah, uh, it was amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. So yeah, we did the fellowship. And like the... We had, like, at that point in time, we were trying to do was add on to this. We were trying to, like, bolt on a, we, we was, like, the plan always was to do this, but it also, like, was obviously driven by, like, hype, trying to get traction and stuff like that. We were trying to add on this way of, like, using the latest, like, AI text embedding models to vectorize the arguments and then say, like, this is similar to this, like, there's this cluster here, this cluster seems to map to this cluster and like kind of try to graph it. So you could have like a very large discussion that can be summarized very quickly. You know, the naive way to do that would just be like, take the whole thing and inject it into ChatGPT and like have an output. But we want to do something more cool. And like in the process of doing that, we were looking at like other, what they're called like workplace engagement products. And we kind of realized that like, it wasn't going to end up being viable. It just was like, it's way too different than the existing workplace engagement stuff. And the way that the similar stuff to us was getting sold was really as like a consultancy package. You'd like hire some arguing experts. They would come in your organization, like teach this kind of, and we didn't really want to do that. So we had a lot of code then that was like dead because we were killing the product, but it was like a lot of stuff for this whole like semantic uh, text embedding model, like usage. And we ended up like pivoting that into a search utility. So like we ended up building our own like search engine. I, I kind of like describing it as like Google in a box. It's basically like a, a nice, like pretty front end for like searching all your data. And then uh, we have like a chat GPT UI type thing. So you can like chat with it if you want. I think that's less powerful, but some people really want the chat stuff. Um, and then like 
we got traction. So we we had this. We originally like didn't know who we were gonna sell to, and then we like somehow like or other we met with some lawyer, and this guy <laughs> like really liked the idea, because uh, I guess the existing like products in the legal space for doing document search are a lot less geared towards search as they are to like redacting personal information and kind of like flagging and things like this. They're not really built for like the person who's going to argue in court to find their exhibits for their arguments. So like this worked really well for that somehow. Uh, completely like unbeknownst to us, just kind of like fell into it. We sold that a few different times. Um, we got like good revenue. And this was probably like a, towards the end of the fellowship. Like a month, two of the fellowship, we kind of completed the usable minimum viable product of this. And then towards the end of month three, we had like a stable amount of revenue. We were doing like, we are still doing like about 70K. Nice. That's insane. That's the, that's, that's the difference between going after a consumer market and a uh, enterprise market. Uh, that is just huge. Yeah, it's, it's definitely huge. Um, yeah, it, it like, it works well. It, the, the other interesting thing is that I, I guess like, None of us in the company are lawyers. So like long term, we don't really plan to continue being like they call it legal tech. It's like the sector. Just because uh we got stuck like in the sales cycle really fast. Like that guy shilled us a few different times and then we like did some quick sales. But then after that we were like, okay, uh he's out of connections, like and goodwill. He did it all for free too, which was bizarre. But uh I don't know how that happened. Then we kinda of got stuck. So, like we couldn't really like continue getting revenue. So we sold it to uh, a company that like does web novels called Royal Road, and they became like our like they were our first non-legal customer. Um, there's like some timing I'm kind of getting wrong with the way it's all worked, but suffice to say they were the first non-legal customer. And then after different from your first illegal customer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> and then we sold a second company. They're called Outlier Database, outlierdb.com. If you do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which I know is kind of popular for the Nostra community to like some extent, um, this guy like compiled all this data on BJJ matches. And he had like a website where you could view them to like help with your training. And he didn't have good quality search. Uh, I don't do Jiu-Jitsu, but like one of my other friends does. And he was like, this search sucks in a colloquial conversation. And I was like, oh, okay, let me try to sell them the thing. And they bought it. So they became like the second uh, customer outside of that. And then we kind of like felt we had something that worked. And uh, since then, like we haven't been doing more sales. We've been trying to like get it to a point where it's multi-tenant. Um, so like right now we have to do like a whole stack for every customer. And it's a complicated apps to run because there's like, there's two servers. And then there's a, there's two databases and like a bunch of logic to like sync all this stuff. Uh, so standing it all up for every customer when they're like a low paying customer is a little bit too much. So we've been making a multi-tenant and, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping like have that launch here the next couple of weeks, then keep doing sales. Nice. Yeah. That sounds really familiar. Multi-tenant is, is really, uh, tricky. Uh, it's either like super hands-on or it doesn't scale super well because everyone's in the same database. Uh, I, uh, my previous company was the latter. It was multi-tenant on a single Postgres instance, and uh, it's doing okay so far. But we gotta find a find a way to to shard that at some point. Um, <clears throat> but uh, so describe a little bit the technical architecture. So it sounds like it's it's basically a search product 
um, and they give you a bunch of content, like a website or something like that, and then you ingest it and index it. Uh, like traditionally, with with like traditional search technologies, or uh, or you throw it into like a, a pre-trained uh, LLM model or something like that, or how's that all work? Yeah, it's it is by definition an LLM, but it's not a chat-tuned LLM that does it. It's like in the LLM, like the transformers component, basically will like take some data or like some text and transform it into like a vector. And we are really only using that. It's like just the encoder part of the LLM. Um, and we use that. In the beginning, that's all we used. But part of what we learned doing the BJJ customer is that it's not quite good enough. It's like also very helpful to have this traditional search tech. So then very recently we added like both. And then we kind of, every like, there's different search modes. So you can either do like traditional text-based matching search or uh, vector distance similarity, which is like the AI-based one, or you can do like hybrid. And hybrid lets you like weight how much full text was how much semantic you want. Um, and hybrid tends to work best. The the other benefit of like hybrid is if you, our default mode for hybrid doesn't actually apply a weight to full text and semantic. It uses this like very tiny model called a cross encoder. And the cross encoder just associates a similarity between like the search and the result. Um, it doesn't like encode anything. So it's not part of the indexing, which means you can't, it's expensive to like, it's not good enough to like run over the whole data set. But for like the top 10, 20 results you turn in a page, you can use that cross encoder to rank. Them. And that becomes like, that's by far and away the best results we get. Um, and also like, it's much more viable to fine tune the cross encoder than the like encoder for indexing, like the LLM based encoder for indexing. So if you have like, like the BJJ guys, all these weird terms for all the Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff. And for that, like you can fine tune it um, at that cross encoder level, which is very viable relative to doing it at the indexing model layer. Because if you do the indexing model as your tune, then you have to re-index the data. But if you use the cross encoder, then you can kind of like continuously make improvements without doing a re-index. Nice, cool. So what's uh, what are some like libraries or technologies that you're using for this stuff? And how old is it? Is this like a new technique or is this, uh, you know, 10 years old? I, I, it's, it's pretty old. Um, I would say like the technique is probably four to five years old. I think, I think I'd say like four, um, the, it like originally came out like 2019, late 2018, I would say like for the publications that were viable to do this kind of stuff. But until I guess like November last year, maybe a little bit before November last year, this wasn't easy to do. There were like a lot of improvements made with the databases, like all these like vector databases that made this like much more viable. Um, I think the most common one to hear about is sort of like Pinecone or PG Vector. We don't use those. Uh, we use Quadrant for the vector database component. And then we, we do use Postgres for the like, uh, uh, for the, you know, primary OLTP database, like transactional database. And then we, and then we use like Rust is like the server is written in and then our UIs are written in JS. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's, it's a bigger stack. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's cool. Uh, having that kind of special purpose, uh, component in there. 
something fun to play with. Do you have experience in this in the, from the past, or is this just something you like picked up because you needed to solve a problem? Yeah, it was totally new to us. We had we had no experience in this at all. Um, we we like picked up doing it and then like learned along the way. So I, I think I can see why Noster doesn't make sense for this project, right? Like Noster is not a not a good or it, it's a database with a very specific uh, sort of um, set of trade-offs and those trade-offs are not, uh, geared towards, uh, analysis or a search, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, it was basically like you did this business pivot and, uh, you needed to create this centralized service and really it's, you know, it's centralized, but it's easily handed off to, uh, to your client to, uh, for them to run. You, you probably run the, the services for them, uh, or do you hand it fully off? All the law firms run it themselves, and like we oh, literally just sell them a license, and they all run it themselves. The, in fact, only one, only the Brazilian jiu-jitsu people have us run it. Everyone else runs it themselves. Um, it just like makes if you have like a very popular app, then you have to run it yourself, or you have to do like cloud pairing, cloud peering. I meant to say. Otherwise, the latency is just too much for you to deal with. So. Yeah, we're not on Noster, but we are open source. Like being open source is definitely very helpful in that regard. Yeah, and it sounds like you've mostly ditched the identity component as well. This is just content that you're you're sort of indexing and, and searching. So, is there an identity co- component at all anymore, or is it just like administration? It's there's like we have login credentials and stuff that we we actually use this cool thing called Keycloak for. If you're listening and you haven't seen them before, Keycloak is like a open source or a FOSS version of Alt Zero or uh, I forget what the Ada, AWS Cognito. Uh, mm-hmm. It works really well. Like it's actually insane how well this thing works. So that handles all of our auth logic. But yeah, there's no like we no longer see this as like something that a massive community like contributes to. It's more like a uh, like a knowledge based search type thing yeah yeah that's super super cool uh product uh you know it's it feels like there is a huge wave of these kind of things like coming out in the last uh year or two um have you have you thought about going into more like uh, i don't know open-ended uh wide, more widely applicable uh models uh and and indexing things i can't can't think of what they would be but you know you've got all those like pre-trained llms that are out there and you can pay a couple of sats to uh to ask it a question uh, you know, like I saw a, a, a one that was trained on the Gospels, and so it like answers like Jesus would answer or whatever. Is that something that you're looking at at all, or is that kind of just like totally tangential? No, it's like actually like uh, what we're gonna be targeting, I guess. Like our our goal kind of now is uh we we don't mind like making things publicly available. Like our our goal kind of is like help others build those type of things, if that makes sense. So like. If you wanted that to exist, uh, you could kind of like take something with the Bible and you make it in these like little chunks. Like you take like maybe a paragraph at a time or a, a verse at a time at a time. And you it, you send those to like an Arguflow instance or like a centralized thing you're paying for. And you can get this like search engine for gospel verses. And uh, an LLM is able to like make those searches for you, kind of like it has access to the database. And it's how you like build those experiences. So 
like right now, like it works for that. It's just hard to do because you have to self-host. It's like the goal right now is just like make it really easy and simple to do stuff like that. And then like, you know, big demos. Like we may do like a search the Bible that already exists, but like we may still do one just for fun. So you can like try it and like uh, marketing tactics or so you can like see the possibilities of stuff you can build. Yeah. And you were like, you were looking into like academic uh, applications as well at one point, weren't you? Yeah. Like also like still an idea for us. Like uh, uh, at this point, like it's finding, like there's a bunch of like these people like are trying to build these like academic like style databases. Like, uh, you know, archive is the biggest one, A-R-X-I-V. But there's a bunch of them out there. Like uh, the, the 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 big cryptography journal, like I think it's called IAC, um, made that abbreviation wrong. But we want to do that one as like a demo. It's like they don't have good search right now. Like, giving them good search would be pretty cool. But you know, stuff like that are like marketing demos we're thinking of doing because like you know it's a lot more fun for us to do like that kind of marketing than more of the cold calling like email stuff. And, and they both seem to work for us. Yeah. Nice. So what's the, what's the next, uh, step? Uh, it sounds like you're, you're doing the multi-tenancy stuff. What's after that? Uh, images. So like the, the next thing is like we want to allow for you to up, like do image search. So you can have like reverse image search if you want. We think that'll be pretty cool and like give you and like really complete like the feature set i think like once we have the reverse image search there's not much else i can think to add for features um so like then it becomes like a performance thing it's like right now our query time is probably is like pretty bad if you have a data set of like a million vectors it'll take about a second to a second and a half to complete a search query where he's like uh algolia probably our biggest competitor will do that like 0.001 seconds and you know there's like we probably can get the performance to that level it just is going to take some optimizations on our end which is like the next major step yeah cool nice well it sounds like you've got a little bit of a runway uh to keep working on this stuff with uh, the contracts that you you made so that's pretty exciting um and i was kind of curious like moving into the the business side of things like do you have any thoughts on how nostra developers can get paid um you know there's like there's a lot of grants going around right now and that's great for sort of uh, bootstrapping things. Um, but, you know, when when grants run out or when a grant isn't approved or something like that, um, the alternative is going to be more traditional uh, sort of VC routes or, or maybe bootstrapping, but it's hard to bootstrap uh, software. Um, that's that's what I, I tried to do originally. Um, and then Futo picked me up and OpenSAS picked me up. So, like, I'm I'm very happy on the gravy train right now. But uh, that's not going to last forever. <laughs> um, do you have any thoughts? Uh, I know you've done like a couple of different startups. Do you have any thoughts on like what these kind of social media oriented or, you know, other stuff applications on Noster can do to become sustainable businesses uh, in like a one to two year time frame? Yeah, I think that like you have to find places where like, I, I don't know, depending on what you're building on Noster, there's going to be like some problems a little bit tangential and it's probably going to like suck to some extent in the same way it would suck to like work for a big tech company, um, <laughs> like some high frequency trading firm. Like you kind of, you probably have to like 
work that in somehow. I'm not sure like what the way is, but you kind of got to find like a problem adjacent to what you're doing. If it was me, like the thing I like to do, at least at this point, is find a company that's like working, but like working to a small extent. Um, like maybe they're doing like a million in annual recurring revenue and copy what they're doing with no stir and then try to sell it. Like once you have something that like works. Um, and I think that like, let's say you build on Noster and like add the Noster ecosystem if you really like it, but also sell something viable and, you know, hopefully de-risk it a little bit as well and like give you kind of a clean path for growth. Um, and I, I think that really works well. Uh, and it, it's like smooth, it's like easy to explain. Um, there's like a lot of like blogs for like SEO that you can kind of copy, but like write newer versions of, so you can like bootstrap that, uh, and even like sales, a lot of these companies, like you kind of benefit from like what I call collective marketing. That's not what I call it. It's like a common term, but because the other company that you're going to be competing against has already spent so much money, like marketing, you can kind of like piggyback on that. There's always, there's already going to be like some market awareness for the fact that the problem can be solved with software and it will make your like sales tax a little bit easier to complete. Um, and kind of like let you... I guess speed that stuff up so you can, you can get like a few sales in the door. And then if you want to, you can probably do a venture capital fundraise. Yeah. So like, uh, the, um, so, uh, what kind of products are, do you have in mind when you, when like for, for an example, cause like, you know, you're in the, you're in the enterprise side of things and it's easy to, um, you know, it's sort of zero or one. If you get a sale, then you suddenly have tens of thousands in revenue. Whereas like a, a consumer sort of business, um, in software is, um, you know, it, there's a reason that people approach them, uh, like VCs do, uh, you know, sort of spread their, their confetti to a bunch of different businesses and hope that one of them takes off and becomes a billion dollar company. Um, just because, uh, there is this, uh, the, the network effect within your product, um, has to succeed that's your zero one zero one is not a sale it's like actually conquering the market um do you see noster as still like susceptible to that particular dynamic or does it uh does it undermine that because you have that that network effect across multiple apps i i think that like under i think noster like is that on a macro scale but if i had to give like if i was doing this myself my perspective would be like i want to sell a company on the fact they should have a nose relay internally and like whatever product i have that's going to like work for the consumer market i want to package that it's like something i can sell business to business like enterprise and like make those sales to i guess like get the business side like going and and like get and probably like go that way like you know make the consumer Focus app really good so you can continue spreading it, but get like traction and money in the door by like repackaging and selling it to, to organizations internally. Like, I, I think that this is vibe. I mean, you know, a lot of companies like maybe like Snapchat, like Instagram, and you know, Facebook, there's not really an argument for your company should have a Instagram relay. <laughs> but with Nostr, there's like really a lot of benefits to having it internally. And I think for, like a lot of stuff you're building, like, a hundred person enterprise could, could benefit from that existing within the company. Um, and I don't know, like maybe that's like a pipe dream, but I, it's the, that's the closest way I could see making it viable. Cause you know, you're, you're right. 
to make a consumer app that makes money, I don't know if it's ever even been done before. Because like Instagram and Facebook don't really make money in and of themselves. They make money like selling the selling ads. And I I would presume that most Nose Three developers don't want to do that. Yeah, there's definitely uh, kind of a default aversion to ads. Uh, Zach of Flockster released another, a new like video sharing site. I can't remember what it's called. Um, But on the homepage, there's a big banner ad. And uh, it's actually been pretty well received because it is a pretty respectful ad. It's like, this is an ad. Once you see it, you can move on with your life and not not really worry about it. But but yeah, like point taken, there's, uh, there's, it's hard to make a profitable consumer oriented uh, software business. Um, sometimes I wonder if if that's just because of the the growth at all costs sort of scale of a lot of these web companies. Um, but uh, you know, because like Elon Musk fired uh, half of Twitter or whatever uh, a year ago, and uh, suddenly they were profitable. Um, but of course, you know, it was a advertising driven business. So. Uh, Facebook could probably be profitable, but, uh, but maybe not without advertising. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people are paying kind of working on the sort of like value for value model, uh, asking people to pay what they're, um, what they think the software is worth. And, you know, I, I think that it's kind of funny coming from Bitcoiners who are, who are like, you know, it's all about incentives and like, don't trust anyone only verify. And then they're like, yeah. And my business model will be based on how people feel. Uh, about giving me money with no strings attached, uh, like that might work for music because people get pretty into music, and and you have a lot of people listening, uh, and a small amount can cover that kind of stuff. So we saw like the V for B concerts a couple weeks ago, but for for software that seems um, seems unfeasible. Except except that um, it could work for really small uh, small uh, user groups. So it's like. I think of it as the the freemium problem. Uh, there's some some articles I, I read about the freemium model, and it's like it has this problem where you you uh, you get a bunch of enthusiastic users on board who are willing to pay you to upgrade uh, to the full to the full feature set, um, and then you hire a bunch of people and start scaling because you think you've found a business model that works. But it turns out you already had all the enthusiastic users. And uh, everyone else just wants to stay on the free model. Um, and so like as as like a indie developer who I don't really want a hundred person team or anything like that, ultimately, um, maybe maybe a freemium model or a value for value model could work. Um, but do you think like the the scale is just the scale mismatch is just uh, not feasible or uh, or do you think something like that could be done? I think it could be done. I think it's hard to like get that to work stably um, is like part of the issue I would see. There's like, there's, okay, one company I really like is called, a, or indie thing that I really like is called Intervals.icu. It's like a open source. Actually, I think it's closed source, but it's like a privacy respecting uh, cost, like like reasonable, reasonable cost, like not in your face uh, type of thing. Version of Strava. Um, and honestly, it's like better than Strava because the guy doesn't have any like the bloat crap that they have, um, and he charges like not much. They're like four bucks a month, like five bucks a month. And I think that like since he got it working stable, he got like another job. It's kind of what's the thing we're on. Um, but yeah, I don't know like what he makes on that, but I, you know he makes enough to like keep the service up, even though most people use it for free. Um, it is like that premium style, 
And I don't think buying it gives you anything. I think you just like buy it, buy it, and it, and it works. Um, yeah, like uh, you know, stuff like that can work. Um, I think that it's like definitely viable to do. It scares me. I think it's hard, much harder than like what I am doing or have done in the past. But uh, it does work. Like I, I think that people have made it work. Yeah, I, I know. I feel like in a lot of ways we're retracing the same steps that people have gone through before with the early internet. You know, uh, there's the whole protocol, um, you know, embrace, extend, extinguish sort of dynamic going on that we had with XMPP and LibreOffice and uh, and stuff like that. But then there's also the the business model side of things. Like if everyone's just hobbyists and uh, volunteers, then you can't really keep anything up for long at scale. And the nice thing about Nostra is like the network partitions and people are always going to be running these things as volunteers. So, um, so the, the actual infrastructure is not that big a deal. It's just the software that needs to be funded. And if the hype kind of dies down without more waves, bringing in more free money, um, then, you know, we're just not going to have that software. And of course that in itself is not a sustainable model. Uh, you know, that's like VC, uh, VC, you know, chasing, chasing return, um, but without, uh, <laughs> any of the hard, uh, hard constraints that make a, a VC led business actually work. So yeah. Uh, XMPP is really interesting comparison because like XMPP, I don't think like ever made it's in, it was like, okay, WhatsApp leveraged XMPP in the really early days and they kind of made money off of it. A lot of money. And then, um, and then I, I, I and then JMP.chat like is the current XMPP thing that makes money. But like the software for XMPP is still abominable. Um, yeah, like there's conversations for Android that like is all right. Um, I use XMPP, <laughs> so like I'm a, I suffer from the stuff being bad. And then uh, I even like I use the SIP dialer on my phone to like do calls for XMPP. But like I don't I don't even know what the commercial dialer is called. I just remember it, like last time I used it, it sucked. I was like, this is horrendous. Um, <laughs> and yeah, even though like I, even though like JMP, I think JMP like does make money off of it. Like they actually managed to like make this thing moderately viable. And they may at least they have a dialer in their version of conversation. But um, but yeah, they also charge like dirt. Like they charge four bucks a month. Yeah, which is so hard. Like I. Uh, I might, I think I might just be like a scaredy cat, uh, liking the enterprise style businesses, but like, yeah, the amount of effort, like they must be putting it into an XMPP is harder to run than this. It's like the amount of effort they're putting in to run that is, and so few people, right? Like, I don't think anyone besides JMP.chat like makes money off XMPP and the protocol is like really good. Um, and still like people just didn't manage to like monetize it, which is crazy. Yeah, you uh, you mentioned that uh, image reverse image search is something that you're going to work on pretty soon. I always feel like images are the are always an afterthought. So like XMPP didn't have images for a while. I don't know if it does now, but um, but like Noster, <clears throat> same thing. We have images kind of like bolted on top of the plain text uh, social content, and there's a million different ways to do it because everyone ca- you know, saw the need for it and then came up with their own standard. And so everyone supports like four different approaches to the problem. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like images are pretty important to uh, social media and chat and stuff like that. 
but you know, like all these images are hosted somewhere. They're not encrypted. Uh, you know, so if you attach an image to a DM or something, then that's just, that's out there. Uh, it's kind of insane. Um, the, the current state of, uh, of image sharing on, on Noster and just like everywhere. I'm noticing a pattern, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know how people, images are hard. Like for us, we're using S3, which is probably like a sane way of doing it. Um, but yeah, they're hard. Like there's not a clean way to do it. Honestly. Um, and they are an afterthought. So it's like so much harder than plain text. It's kind of like make the plain text thing work. And people are like, Oh, we want images. And the, <laughs> the devs are kind of like, ah, oh, crap. I, I was hoping this wouldn't come for a few months. Yeah. It's like a completely different shape and there's all kinds of stuff that you might want to do, like resize it on the fly or whatever. So yeah, it's like a whole different problem. And if you've, if you've already addressed yourself to solving a different problem, that makes it kind of hard. So yeah. I learned recently that clouds charge for like bandwidth too. I, I have never like had to pay my own cloud costs, my career before this company. So like the, your AWS bill is also going to go up once you yeah. have images. Yeah, definitely. Well, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I think we can kind of wrap things up. Yeah, totally. I really enjoy talking to you, man. Good podcast. Yeah, it's nice to see. You. I want to come back down to Austin. I, 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 uh, I say this to everyone I meet from Austin. It was a really fun place to be, uh, a fun experience. Um, I don't know if there's like a conference. Uh, maybe there's one in March that I that I could make it to. But if I if I'm down there, I'll let you know. Yeah, we won't be there. I, like I didn't say this, but we are doing Y Combinator now, um, in SF. So like we're gonna be in San Francisco uh, through the end of April, and then I'll be back in Austin, probably. Yeah. Yeah, we can talk about all the other stuff like, uh, you know, <laughs> Catholicism and and uh, ghosts and whatever else we, we talked about. Well, uh, we'll keep in touch. Let me know how it goes. Uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Bye.